Welcome back. Israel is continuing its bombardment of the Gaza Strip. As there seems to be no pause in this war, US Secretary of State Antony Blinken has made a surprise visit to the West Bank, meeting with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. Our Europe editor Tony Connolly joins us now from Tel Aviv. Tony, what's the latest? Well, there are really three major developments today. One is the diplomatic front and that meeting between Antony Blinken and Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah. That was a surprise visit. They're counting the dead once again in Gaza, an overnight strike on the Magazi refugee camp in central Gaza, 38 people there killed. And then the question of foreign passport holders and the injured getting uh, out from Gaza into Egypt across the Rafah crossing. That's been suspended because of earlier attacks uh, late last week on an ambulance convoy bringing the wounded to the Rafa crossing. Uh, the, the authorities have suspended that process of getting both the wounded out and also foreign uh, passport holders because of those attacks by the Israeli Air Force on a convoy uh, leaving the Al-Shifa hospital. So a lot happening, and but yet no real glimmer of hope that there will be a pause on the Israeli actions despite the global condemnation, which is now really uh, reaching fever pitch. It's been reported, Tony, that an Israeli minister has been suspended by uh, Benjamin Netanyahu for his comments about Ireland. Can you tell us about it? Yes, so there is an Israeli minister. He's the heritage minister, Amakai Eliyahu, and he is a member of the far-right religious Jewish Home Party. And he was interviewed on a a religious radio station, radio called Berama, about whether an atomic bomb should be dropped on Gaza. And he said that was one of the possibilities. He also said that uh, Gazans could uh, either go to Ireland or to the desert. Um, he described uh, the monsters in Gaza should find a solution by themselves. Now, those comments were condemned across the board. He has been suspended from attending any government ministers, but he hasn't been fired as a minister. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Likud uh, prime minister, has said the his comments did not reflect reality. Uh, and uh, he in turn has said that he was speaking metaphorically, but those comments have certainly been picked up. They've been condemned by Saudi Arabia in, in the past 30 minutes, uh, and they have been condemned by the Palestinian Authority so that's, I suppose, a reflection of some of the hardline voices that Benjamin Netanyahu has brought into his cabinet. There are two far-right religious parties in there, uh, some of whose members have made uh, extremely inflammatory remarks about Palestinians in the past. OK, Tony Connolly, thanks for speaking to us from Tel Aviv. Dr Patrick Bury is a senior lecturer specialising in warfare and counter-terrorism at Bath University. He's also a former British Army captain and NATO analyst and he joins us now on the line. Good afternoon, Dr Bury. As uh, Tony said there, they're counting the dead once again in Gaza. There's mounting international pressure to protect civilians. Will the Israelis listen and what effect will that have on their campaign? Good afternoon, David. Um, I think usually the way these campaigns go, the history of the Israeli incursions into Gaza especially, is that they view it as a window of opportunity. And they know that ultimately 
their freedom of manoeuvre to continue their operations time-wise, will it come to an end because of world public opinion? So I think you've got this pattern almost that we, that we expect from a security perspective just playing out again. You can see, as Tony rightfully mentioned, the sort of rising global condemnation of the inability to protect civilians, even if they say that is what they're trying to do. They're obviously clearly unable to, given the nature of the threat. Um, and uh, and so I think at some point, you know, eventually there will be probably a humanitarian pause. Uh, obviously, the idea of a ceasefire is something different. That's a lot more longer term and usually is about dialogue. But you can't really, you know, create dialogue with a, a state or sorry, a non-state actor which doesn't view your state's existence uh, as something that, that uh, it has the right to. So um, it's interesting to see what, what exactly a, a, you know, a, a, a humanitarian pause would bring about. Uh, in terms of the actual conflict. Um, on the ground, the way it's going, it's quite interesting as well in terms of the Israelis have advanced on about three axes and have cut the, the sort of the top third of the Gaza Strip, um, including Gaza City, almost completely off. Um, and of course, at the tactical level, Hamas are now able to use these tunnel networks to pop up behind them and in areas where the Israeli armour, for, for example, their tanks weren't expecting them to come in. So it's um, it, it, how the next phase of the combat goes is, is, is open to debate, but it will probably start to focus on the tunnel network in the northern third, I'd say. OK, now Israel, the strategic aim for Israel, or so they've said, is to destroy Hamas. Now, given the, the numbers, I don't think anybody doubts that they can defeat Hamas, but is it possible to actually destroy the organisation? Yeah, you would. And usually, it's very difficult to completely destroy an insurgency, um, and you can, which is essentially what Hamas is. You know, it's got some popular support and some territorial, um, some ter- some territory that it can operate from as a sanctuary. So, that is usually very difficult to do. You do remember in the um, the Sri Lankan civil war against the Tamil Tigers, they actually did manage to destroy uh, the Tamil Tigers. The Sri Lankan government did over a period of about you know a year of the last push. Um, and, but that was in a much less urbanised environment and they had much less capability than Hamas do. So uh, I would have said really at the strategically, like you said, the, the idea of destroying Hamas as a complete entity, even if they do manage to do it in, say, the top half of Gaza, the the amount of enemies they've created from doing this, you think of all the, the children that have been fought, um, that have been orphaned, etc., and the next generation and the Arab street, which is a absolutely furious at how this is all um, playing out and the ratio of dead compared to Israeli dead. Um, I think it's creating the strategic effect that actually it's making Israel less safe. That would be my argument. Um, Now, talking about the tactics, you mentioned the tunnels and the the Gaza metro, I think it's been described in in some circles. It is a very extensive network. It seems to be very well uh, defended and and very well um, uh, protected. How, on a tactical level, do the Israeli military deal with that? Yeah, and as I mentioned, so one of the things we've actually seen footage of of Hamas doing to to actually good effect, the Israelis have a tank called the Makrava, and it's one of the best tanks in the world. And the, uh, we've seen footage of Hamas fighters, one of them basically popping out of a tunnel, we think, and then getting up close to the tank, which is always dangerous for a tank because you, you really want your infantry skin or sc- sc- screen around them. Uh, and the, the Hamas fighter putting the uh, explosive charge onto the tank, running away, and then another Hamas fire, fighter firing a rocket propelled grenade. And that actually um, damaged or destroyed the tank. We don't know 100%. But, so you can see sort of how the tunnel network allows them to facilitate to do that. The tunnel network itself, it's an interesting one because they're 10 to 20 metres deep. They're about two metres high, so six feet. And they cost about three million each to build the tunnel, apparently. 
Um, and the way that, you know, this is where, because and obviously the, the entrances are often hidden below buildings um, to make it more difficult to target them, et cetera, and hidden in refugee camps, et cetera, to make it more, um, more of a propaganda value, of course, if they are targeted. And essentially, you know, if you're going to take those tunnels, you're going to have to flush them out with soldiers, like we saw against the Viet Cong. So somebody has to go down there, what they call the poor, poor bloody infantry, um, with a torch, uh, with their weapon and basically fight through. And then it'll be up to Hamas whether they want to defend and fight in these tunnels too. Um, so that would take, that would be long. It would be high high casualty for especially, I'd say, the IDF going, the soldiers going into that. Um, and it remains to be seen if they sort of move into that next phase. But that was what probably what you'd expect uh, if, if it continues. Okay, Dr. Patrick Bury of Bath University. Thanks indeed for that analysis.